0: Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find a church, family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. But right now, we're going to go um, into the Word. At the end of today's service, we have baptism. So I hope you'll stay around and celebrate. We have some people getting baptized. Can we give a hand for that? That's awesome. When we left Missouri, for those of you who don't know, we we came here from Missouri. Um, I'm originally from Florida, but we had helped a friend plant a church in Missouri. Our last week there, we did baptisms, and we did it way down in a really dirty, nasty river. All right, it was really gross, and it was slimy, and it was like cool because we were out there, and it felt like we were connected with the stuff that Jesus did, and we baptized a few people. And um, and now we're here. I tried to put some dirt in there, um, some leaves and things like that just to make it more realistic. But uh, it is what it is. Um, But let's go and we'll uh, we'll go into the word. We have a message that I'm going to preach and um, we just want God to show up. Father, I thank you for the privilege of speaking your word. It is an honor, God, something that I do not deserve. God, your word is so good. Your life is so good, Jesus, you're so good. I pray I'd do you justice. I pray we'd hear from you and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The message that, I, that we're talking about today is it's about new life. New life. That really is the message of the Gospels, that we would have new life. And I have a few um, props, things that I hid over here somewhere if I can find them. Um, I can't bend down because my back. But here we go. So, new life. New life. All right. Both of these boxes, Jonathan, come over here. You be my thing. Both of these boxes look the same on the outside, don't they? No. Turn around. Yeah, they do. Stop messing with me. All right, they look the same on the outside, but this is the box of cereal that when I went there, um, you know, I have five kids, and that means we there's very little food that stays in our house. Like it comes into our house and then it's gone. And what's great about our kids is that when they finish something. They put it back in the pantry because they're just so polite. And so this is the box of cereal that I went to and I grabbed and I said, all right, that looks good. And I grabbed it and it is dead. There is nothing in here. This is a box of cereal that is full of life. In fact, I'm not going to spill it because I'm going to eat this later. All right, I'm actually going to take this home and eat it. And people on the outside, we look the same. But on the inside, there is a difference between somebody who is full of life, something that is new, and something that is dead. And sometimes the outside, you can't tell the difference. And in my house, cereal boxes prove it all the time. In your house, I don't know what you have, but um, and I brought another thing, because being new... And we're talking about specifically living things. Like, I know old cars are cool, all right? I like old cars. Old cars sometimes are cooler than new cars. But when we're talking about living things, the newer it is, the better, right? Like, I remember when I was about six years old, my dad had built this fort that was one story tall. Like, the top, the bottom of my fort was, like, at the top of our one-story house, and I remember being six, seven years old, and he had just built this fort, and he's down there talking to somebody. And I remember at six years old just jumping off of this thing and landing like in full frog, just right next to him. And he's like, what did you do? And I was like, I jumped off of it. It was awesome. I'm not really that old, but no way <laughs> am I doing that now. All right, I miss a step coming down the stairs, and it's like, ooh. Because the newer something is, when you're dealing with life, a lot of times the better it is. The better it is. And what God wants for all of us is to have new life. He wants new life. And so we're going to talk about that. And if you should have got a a paper when you came in. If you didn't, you can raise your hand and somebody will get it to you. Um, But uh, it kind of helps you follow along. We're going to be speaking out of the book of Romans chapter 5. And the very first thing you can fill in on the top. Is that Christ's work on the cross is greater than Adam's sin in the garden. Now, some of us know that, but you got to live that. See, when Adam sinned in the garden, like he messed it up for all of us, there is a generational thing that happened to all of us in Adam. Don't tell me generational things aren't real. In fact, I read a study this week, and you can go check it up, but it was one study, and I didn't spend a lot of time there. But it doesn't matter how different each of us are on the outside, we all share about 98, 99% of the same DNA. So you could be taller than me, you could be darker than me, you could be lighter than me, you're probably not shorter than me, all right? But unless you're my wife or one of my kids, ooh, or my brother-in-law. But other than that, got your brother. All right, but our DNA is so similar. I mean, we, we, we come, we, we we're so much more that, that we share, but it's so interesting how you'll see, even in different families, different things run down that family. In my families, it's alcoholism. Like, for real, alcoholism, and for some reason, there's a side of my family that really likes cocaine. Just putting it out there. They enjoy that stuff. There might be your family, you love money. You're money hungry. Your family might have a sexual thing that just runs through to where your grandpa molested your aunt and molested this or molested that. Like There, there is generational stuff that runs in families. And it started here. And none of us are better or none of us are worse. We've all got our own stuff that we deal with. But the fact of the matter is, is Christ's work on the cross is greater than Adam's sin in the garden. So it doesn't matter what you or your family deal with, there is an answer. And so we're going to start in uh, verse 6, and this is out of Romans chapter 5. And um, it's on your paper, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and he died for sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might want to die for a, someone who is good next slide but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So one of the things that just I get thrilled is that with this is Christ died for us while we were sinners. Think about your worst moment. No shame in that. I don't want you to get guilty and start getting depressed. But think about the worst thing that you've ever done. The very worst. The thing that you're like, you think about it and it still kind of hurts right now. You're like, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have been there. It is that moment that Christ was thinking about when he died for you. While you were still a sinner. That's awesome. Because if He loved you at that moment, imagine how much greater the love is now. And let's keep reading. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. We don't have to be under judgment anymore. Verse 10, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. A few points I want to pull out of this scripture. This this whole chapter is just great, but first point, in Christ... We have a wonderful new relationship with God. In Christ, you who were once his enemy, and if you feel like you and God are on bad terms, he's paid the price. He's died for you at your worst. He's come so that you can have a wonderful new relationship. That is amazing. The God of the universe came and He canceled everything. All the drama, all the hurt, all the pain, all the what-ifs that was between you and God. And He didn't just make a relationship, but a wonderful new relationship. A wonderful new relationship. And it should stay that way. The next thing I want to say um, that you guys can write in is, Christ died for us when we were at our worst. Remember that. Remember that. Because when you make a mistake today or tomorrow, because I'm not saying that you should, but you probably will, you can realize like Christ died. He knew. He loved me at my worst. It's one thing to love somebody who's easy to love. Have you ever met somebody that's really hard to love? If you haven't, you're that person. (laughs) You are that person. And everybody's like this guy. But that's when Christ died for you when you were at your worst. When you were at the ugliest. Now I got married at 18. That's that's right 18 that's crazy. We've been married for a long time. Coming up on 20 years soon. But my wife is beautiful. My wife is gorgeous. You no, know, there's some gorgeous women in here. But when y'all wake up in the morning, it doesn't matter what you look like right now. Somebody has seen you at your worst. When you're like, ooh, who's that? And she's seen me at my worst. I didn't have this belly. She, this belly was not part of the package at 18. It wasn't there. But she loves me at my worst, and that's what God does for you. The, the, the next thing, point number three, and this is what you really got to grasp a hold of, and this is such a powerful point that I don't even know how to put it into words, but if the death of Christ saved us, how powerful is the life that he gives us? Because here it is. Death is always weaker than life. You could put a dead MMA fighter, and I would win. Hands down. I will beat any dead person in the world. Life is always stronger than death, but if Christ's death saved us, if it was that strong, that's Christ's weakest moment when he dies, right? And it's still great enough to save you, but now he gives you his life. How much greater is that life in you? Like, that's powerful. It all starts here. The death saved you, but now you get something greater. You get the life of Christ inside of you, just an unimaginable power, unmeasurable power to save you and transform you, and the same way that Adam's life flowed through you and messed you up, Christ's life flows through you and changes you and transforms you. It's amazing. Let's keep reading because the scripture is good. Verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death, so that death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not even a law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not have the law, as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and the gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. Adam's sin. Adam was pretty powerful. He made one mistake and messed it up for all of us. And in some sense, we were in Adam because all that makes us up was in Adam. It was big, but even greater. Think about it. If Adam's sin was great enough to mess it up for all of us, God's grace is greater to fix it for all of us. To make it better. Just as death spread to many, now life spreads to many. The next point I want to say is Adam's sin brought death, which spread to everyone. We are all experiencing death. Alright? I don't want to say it, but look in the mirror. You're seeing it happen. All right? Before your eyes. Alright? And now with cell phones and you can see pictures. And Have you ever seen a picture of yourself even five years ago? Like, I was young. Look how young I look, babe. Come over here. Did I really look that young? And what was five years ago? That was like this. Five years from now, I'm going to look at myself. Look how young I looked. I had hair. My beard still had some brown in it. Wow. We're experiencing death. Everything is dying. We can't get out of it. The next point I want to bring up is that forgiveness from God restores our relationship with Him. See, before a relationship can be restored, there must be forgiveness. Before you can get things right with somebody, there has to be forgiveness. And it really has to be tossed and never brought up again. We've been married long enough to know how you have to forgive each other. And then you can't bring it up again. Yeah, but you know what you did in 2002? No, I'm sorry, babe. That's not how God works. The forgiveness came, you were forgiven, your debt was canceled, your record was clean, and now you can come into a fruitful, wonderful new relationship with God. It's amazing. The next thing is that a restored relationship releases His life in us. Is now that that relationship is back to normal, is that there's nothing in the way, when we come to God and when we embrace Him, it's like there's power that flows out from Him. It's His life that comes to us. And remember, if His death was great enough to save us, how much more powerful is the life that flows to us to change and transform us and renew us? This good stuff. Point seven. And this is what you got to understand. All that Adam messed up, Christ made right. There's a bunch of messed up stuff in this world. And Christ has either made it right, is making it right, or will make it right. We're in process, but it's big enough. God had everything in mind when Christ died. Verse 16, and we're going to keep it moving. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we were guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who will receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God is good. Verse 19, Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Verse 21, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God. And resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Point number eight, sin's rule is broken. When this new life comes into you, Jesus spoke about it about as being born again. When you were born in this natural sense, you came from the, fruit, from the lineage of Adam. And all that junk that comes with being related to Adam was inside of you. But when you are born again spiritually, all that is in Christ comes inside of you. A transformation happens. And it's beautiful. And sin's rule is broken. And new life comes. Instead of being this empty cereal box that should just be thrown away because there's no use for an empty cereal box, in my opinion. You are full of life, full of something that can give life. Sin's rule is broken. The next point I want to say is, God is grace now rules. Grace, you're in the age of grace and mercy. I don't know what your background is. You may be the most perfect person in here. But without Christ, you're still dead on the inside. You may be the worst person in here. I mean, like, the FBI might be looking for you. I don't know. You might be on a wanted list somewhere. But without Christ, you're dead. It doesn't matter who you are. From the worst of us to the best of us, he can give us new life because we're under the age of grace. And I want to say another point. In Christ we have right standing with God and eternal life ask yourself this what's your standing before God i know my standing i'm not perfect but i'm forgiven i'm not there yet but i'm in process i know i know my standing i've been saved i've been born again i've been transformed by the grace of God is that you has it been you maybe you started that process and then you just stopped it I don't know where you're at but that's it is that we're born again there's two things about life that I know that are beautiful number one Babies are beautiful. Like, not right when they're born, but a little bit after they're born. <laughs> not right when they're born, now they're not, but a couple, a little bit after that, they're gorgeous. That is beautiful. The next thing that is beautiful is when the, somebody's mature. We're talking, like, early 30s, Right? And that's what I'm talking about, like, right? Like, didn't you feel like, and, and I'm, I'm not in my early 30s anymore, but when you, when you finally, like, th- there, there's an age when you're strong and you're healthy and you're not a kid and your back doesn't hurt, you know, and, you're, and there's something beautiful about maturity, right? That's the same thing with a believer. There's something beautiful when you're just born again. And then there's something beautiful when you begin to mature in Christ and get strong and healthy and full of life. And that's God's plan for each of us. And today we're talking about new life. And I want you guys just to bow your heads just for a second because maybe there's somebody here that you're not in right standing with God. I don't know. With no one looking around, just close your eyes, just... Do me a favor. With no one looking around and no one being distracted, if if you're one of the per people in here you could say, You know what? I don't know if I'm in right standing with God. Would you put your hand up right wherever you're at? Thank you, Lord. For those of you that put your hand up, and then I'm going to ask everybody else to to pray with me, we're going to say a prayer. The Scripture says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ died for you and was buried, and confess with your mouth that He's your Lord, you'll be saved. It's free for everyone who believes. So I'm going to lead a prayer specifically for the people that raise their hands. But if the rest of you, if you wouldn't mind, maybe just saying it with so they wouldn't feel like they're being singled out. But I'll say and you can repeat. Heavenly Father, I believe you sent Jesus. I believe, you sent Jesus. I believe he died for me. And I believe he rose again. I believe he's at the right hand of the Father. that my sins, my sins are forgiven because of the grace you give. The the grace you give. I make him my Lord, make you my Lord, the leader of my life. Of my life. Help, me Help me to follow him. Bring new life inside of me. Inside of me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Those that are getting baptized, if you want to go get ready, and if you want to come get on this side, and I have something for the rest of you guys to do while they're, they're getting ready. So if you're getting baptized today, you can begin to make your way over to the tank. with. Um, there's no frogs or snakes in it, I promise. It's not like a real river. But the rest of you over here, there's this card, and what I want you to do is while they're doing that, I believe so much in the gospel that if you would take this card... And maybe you know, I want you to think of five people that you know that are far from God. Five people that, that, that don't know Christ. And we would like our intercessors, you could just put their first name and maybe an initial or something like that. But if you just fill it out. Last week I had someone come up to me and it was one of the first people we started praying for. And she said, Chris, I want you to know He's found a church, he's found a job, he's got off drugs, he's, he's doing this. So if you have five people that you can think of that are far from Christ or that need God in their lives, I would love for you to take this card and fill it out, and we would love our intercessors just to begin to pray over that list. Guys, I'm mm-hmm. Bob. <laughs> 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 <laughs>